0: So we are, uh, I was just thinking, I recently purchased a motorcycle and I've been, um, been riding. Any motorcycle riders out there? All right, a few. Excellent. A few that are still alive. That's good. <laughs> That's what my wife was worried about, that I would die. Um, I guess she's not concerned about that anymore. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Anyway, I just bring that up because as a motorcycle rider, one of the cool little things that happens is, and you'll know this if you are a motorcycle rider, is when you're going by another motorcycle, they give you this little sign right here, usually with their left hand, not the right because the right's on the throttle, but usually the left hand, they give you this little sign. They're just saying, hey, they're acknowledging you, and you don't know them or anything, but it's you just immediately become part of this fraternity in the sense, this group, and there's just a recognition among motorcycle riders that, hey, you know, hey, we're... We're bonded, man. We're together. And part of it is, is that uh, we both know the joy of motorcycle riding. You know, the, the, I'm not promoting this, guys. I'm not, I'm not promoting this to you. I know you, some of your wives are very angry right now because I'm saying these things. Uh, we know the joys of it, but we also know the challenges that come along with motorcycle riding and just the, the dangers that are out there. People want to kill you, things like that. Uh, I was just thinking, you know what? Dads need something like this, you know? Because it's very similar, we, we have a, we're a, a common community, we have the joys of being fathers, we're also faced with a lot of challenges. We should have our own little sign, you know, we see another dad going by, and <laughs> we don't have to know them, but I got you, man, I got you. I know how hard it is to be a dad, I know the challenges, but I also know the great joys of being a father. So, I don't know, we, we need to come up with something, dads, okay? Little sign. Not the same, what do you think, Steve? All right, definitely, dad, Steve's down with it, so Good. Um, this morning what I want to talk to you about is the perfect father. Last month for Mother's Day, I took a break, as you know, from from our study in Romans, and uh, I I focused specifically on moms, and so I thought it would be fitting if I I did the same for, for the dads, for Father's Day today, so taking a break from Romans. I have two goals, and there's an outline, by the way, inside of your bulletin, as normally there is. So you can follow along. But I have two goals today for this message. Message: First, I want to make sure that we all have an accurate, or maybe a better way to say it, a, a biblical view of the only perfect Father that exists. And it's already been mentioned. There's only one, right? There's only one perfect Father. That is the Heavenly Father. And um, we're gonna we're gonna do what we're gonna do to make sure we have an accurate view of Him is we're gonna look at briefly a few of the things that the Bible says concerning him. Just a few. Obviously not all of them. And so we're going to look at those things and we're going to look at how the Father relates to his children, the Heavenly Father. And one reason that I think this is so, so critical for us to do every once in a while and and why I'm doing it this morning is because there seems to be, and maybe you'll relate to this, and if you don't, it's still true Um, But I'm sure you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. There seems to be a tendency among among people to have a view uh, of the heavenly father that is based, at least in part, on their experience with their earthly father, uh, the one that they had on earth. And of course, the problem with that is that even good fathers on earth, good fathers, okay, at their best, or at best, are still an imperfect reflection, imperfect reflection of the Heavenly Father. So that's problem one. Problem two is what about bad fathers? Terry mentioned, you know, there's, there's bad fathers, right? They would not just be an imperfect reflection, but rather uh, a greatly distorted reflection of the Heavenly Father. Being, uh, little or no resemblance, or having little or no resemblance at all to the Heavenly Father. And sadly, beloved, our messed up world has its uh, fair share of bad fathers. So, for instance, we have, uh, I mean, I know you know this already, but just to be clear of what I'm talking about, we have fathers who selfishly abandon their children. More often than not, if someone's going to abandon the kids, it's the father. I'm not saying mothers don't do that, but more often than not, it's fathers. Uh, there's fathers that don't abandon their kids. They remain with them, but then um, they grossly neglect them. So it's like they're not there anyway. Or they, they abuse them. Uh, then there's, there's fathers that aren't abusive, they're there, they provide even for all the material needs of their, their children, uh, but that is the utter extent of their relationship with their kids, that's it. And, and dad really is, in that case, nothing more than an ATM machine, I guess. As someone said, it is easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. Unfortunately, you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? Unfortunately, that is that's a real real thing in our messed up world. So, in light of all that, it is good for us, I believe, to have our, our minds regularly informed, okay, by the word of God concerning who the Heavenly Father really is and how He deals with and relates to His children. Because to think wrongly, beloved, about these things will most certainly have a negative impact on your Christianity and on your relationship with God. And so, just to give you an example of how this connects, of what I'm talking about, a Christian who in their childhood was abandoned by their earthly father shouldn't think for a moment, shouldn't think for a moment, although they might, they might, but they shouldn't, that their heavenly Father would ever abandon them. Because if they do that, then what ends up happening is they have a a hard time fully entrusting their lives to their heavenly Father. Because in the back of their mind, they're thinking, will he bail on me? Will he leave me when I need him most? He won't. He won't. Or a Christian who had a father who was there, right, in the home, but he took no interest in in his or her life, that Christian shouldn't think for a moment, they shouldn't think for a moment that the Heavenly Father isn't always concerned about them. Always and that he doesn't deeply and genuinely care even about the most minute, smallest detail of their lives. He does. He does. Or maybe you had a father that would blow up at you and maybe abuse you in some way when you did something wrong or didn't live up to his expectations. And so you know what happens? You're always on edge, right? Living in fear of your dad and doing everything in your power to try to earn his approval. But beloved, that is not at all how the Christian should view their heavenly Father or their relationship with him. Not at all. And yet, sadly, because of some people's bad experiences, they're prone to do exactly that. I've seen this. Christians... Because of their experience with their dads, trying to earn God's favor. They have it in Christ. They have it. And they don't have to be afraid of God in that way. That he'll strike them the moment they mess up. Or they don't measure up. That's not the way with the Heavenly Father. I was reading one Christian writer, and she just said, concerning her father, she said, I always felt I had to earn my father's love. And I recognize, she's talking about her earthly father, and I recognize the inevitable transference of that attitude when I came to meet my heavenly father. And so that is the case for many. So that's my first goal, okay? Second, We have two goals. The one is to make sure we have a more accurate or biblical view of the Heavenly Father. The second goal is to encourage all the fathers that are here or listening by way of recording, because there's a lot out today. Hopefully they're having a good time with their families. My second is to encourage all the fathers to view the Heavenly Father as their model father, as their model father, as the model father, okay? Now, there might be things you learn from your dad and they're good. Fantastic. But if they're good, it's only because they reflect the goodness of the Heavenly Father. Right? But ultimately, the the ultimate role model for us as dads, Christian dads, it should be our Heavenly Father. Because He's perfect. (laughs) And then hopefully you'll make it your mission in life as dads, if you haven't already, or maybe you'll just recommit yourself to this, to pattern your fatherhood after Him. Okay? One pastor speaking on the subject of fathers, he said this, and I just want you to think about this, the overarching guide for every father should be to live in such a way that his children can see what God the Father is like. Just let that sit there for a second, so that the children can see what God the Father is like. Hey, that would be just a good benchmark for you, for me as a dad. Do right now, do my actions, do my, does my attitude, does the way I'm handling this situation, does it reflect the Heavenly Father to them, or does it reflect something else? So this morning, we're going to consider four characteristics of our Heavenly Father, and we're going to do that based on these two goals that I've set for myself, that we would think rightly about Him, so we won't be confused about who He is, and as an earthly fathers, we might strive to be more like Him, okay? That's the goal. You ready? By the way, hopefully this has application. The first part will have application uh, to everyone. It's relative to everyone to get a proper view of the Heavenly Father. And I also wanted to speak directly to to the dads that are here. So we're going to consider four characteristics of our Heavenly Father, as I said, and those are... Uh, so we would think rightly about him, and his earthly father strive to be more like him. Those are the patience of the father, the discipline of the father, we're talking about the heavenly father, the reliability of the father, and the mercy of the father. By the way, uh, we could go all day. I'm just pulling out four. And I pulled out these four because, in my estimation, this is where fathers go off the rails most often. In other words, they, they don't necessarily align in these areas, or they have the biggest struggles in these areas to reflect the Heavenly Father, okay? We go off the rails in lots of other areas too, but primarily, I think, here, okay? So let's begin with the patience of the Father, and these will be simple. These will be simple. The patience of the Father. Psalm, and you don't have to turn your Bibles. You can if you want, but the the text will be up on the screen. Psalm 145, verse 8. The psalmist writes this, The Lord is gracious and merciful. Fantastic. He's also... What is he? Slow to anger. And abounding, overflowing, I love it, in steadfast love. Now that expression, I'm just going to pull that one expression out there, slow to anger. That is a description of God that is used repeatedly in the Bible. Not just once, but over and over and over again. God is described as being the Father, as being slow to anger. And it's a, it's a phrase that points to or signifies the patience of God, the patience of God. So listen, the heavenly father, though he has every good reason, you hear me? He has every good reason to be angry with his creation, with fallen, sinful, messed up humanity he has chosen to exercise restraint. He is long-suffering. He is long-suffering. Even when provoked, he holds back his anger. He is patient with sinners. Aren't you glad? Huh? You should be. You should be real glad that this is one of the characteristics of our Heavenly Father, slow to anger. When we think of earthly fathers, though, I think we know that many, maybe that's an overstatement, just too many, are not really like this. Meaning that it would be difficult to characterize them as being slow to anger, or (laughs) long-suffering, or patient. In fact, I think we would find that the opposite in many cases may hold true. That being that they are actually quick to anger. But beyond that, beloved, unlike God, their anger is is often or may not even be justified. (laughs) It's not even justified. It's not even righteous anger. So we know earthly fathers, they can fly off the handle or blow up or be impatient with their children for all kinds of sinful and selfish reasons that have nothing to do with righteousness. Hello? I know this is way different than the Mother's Day message I gave. I get that. I get that was way more, woo, upbeat and all that, okay? But here I am, dad, talking about dads. And dads need these kind of messages. They need to hear it. And because our world has been so... I mean, dads are influential, hugely influential. If you don't, I mean, you know that, right? They have a big impact on their children, whether they're there or not. They're having an impact. And so for those reasons, I just think it's important to talk about these things because it can mess with us. It has. I've seen it over and over again in people's lives and how they approach the Heavenly Father. But, beloved, the Heavenly Father is not like that at all. He's not like that earthly father I just described. Even when he is provoked, and he has every just reason for being angry, he exercises restraint. And as I said, we should be glad, because if that was not the case, then humanity would surely have ceased to exist by now, because he would have unleashed his anger, and there would have been nothing left. But part of his goodness, beloved, you know how we say God is good all the time? Part of his goodness is he's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. So for you Christian fathers, listen. When your child provokes you, when they sin against you, when they challenge your authority, when they rebel, I know this doesn't happen to many of you. I'm just saying, if it ever did happen, It is critical in those situations for you to remember the incredible, the incredible patience of your Heavenly Father that you have experienced in your own life. Recalling the fact that while God had every right to crush you when you were living in rebellion to Him, He had every right. He didn't. He didn't, did He? Rather, he, he chose to exercise restraint and patiently and lovingly drew you to himself in salvation. You've got to think about that. Proving, proving beyond a doubt that he is truly, truly patient with sinners. He is slow to anger. Second characteristic of our Heavenly Father. Second characteristic. And that is the discipline of the father, the discipline of the father. There's another place where dads go off the rails, (laughs) earthly dads. All right, so this is a common passage that is referred to when we speak of the discipline of the father. It's a good one. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll just read verses 5 through 11. The writer of Hebrews says this, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? and he's referring back to a passage in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 and 12 now when he makes this quote my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the lord nor be weary when reproved by him for the lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son punishes whom he receives every single one of them verse 7 It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as his sons. Watch. For what son is there whom his father, earthly father, does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And I've referred to this many times. If you don't have any discipline going on in your life from the Lord, that's an indication that you're not his son, you're not his daughter, you're not his child. Discipline is a sign that he is your dad, he's your father. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers, verse 9, who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject, come under the Father of spirits and live? Now watch. For they, who, the earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, the heavenly Father, disciplines us for. Are what? are good. Why? That we may share His holiness. Watch this, verse 11. For the moment, while it's happening, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All right, now, let me say a few things about this. The Heavenly Father disciplines those who are His children. That is to say, listen... Don't just think of this as uh, spankings or something like that. that's That's not all that's being said. That word discipline carries the idea of training and correcting. Training and correcting. So the Heavenly Father carefully trains and corrects His children, and how does He do that? Well, He does it by bringing trials and suffering into their lives. Trials and suffering into their lives. Why does he do that? Because he hates them? Because he likes to see them suffer? Because he's sick like that? No. Not at all, beloved. It's because he loves them. He loves them, and it says he ultimately does it for their good. So the Heavenly Father doesn't ever do it for their bad. He doesn't do it to ruin or crush his children, but rather he does it to help them and spiritually strengthened them. Why? That they may share His holiness, that they might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. See, He does it in order to produce in His children a character like His own. That's why the Heavenly Father disciplines His kids. By the way, beloved, once you understand that, and you understand the sovereignty of God, that God's Overall, in control of all, nothing comes in and out of your life without God saying so, but you recognize that he uses all these things for our good and for His glory, and He uses them for his children to correct them, to train them, to produce in them a character like his own. Then you can, as Paul says in First Thessalonians 5:18, give thanks in all circumstances then you can. See, once you begin to understand what's going on and and how the Heavenly Father is relating to you, you can give thanks in all circumstances, recognizing, God, this is tough, but I know you're working something in me. You're working things through. through. You're going to bring me through. This is all part of that discipline process. It doesn't always mean that you've done something wrong. He just brings things into your life to help cut away at all the stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The mess that we are. Molding us, changing us. But the Father does it perfectly. He does it it for our good, right? That's what the the text says. He does it that we might share His holiness. Now, this is important to understand because our earthly fathers, (laughs) they may not always have disciplined us for our good or disciplined us out of love, right? That may not have always been the case. In fact, in some cases, That was never the case. You know, just a side note, today it used to be that everyone understood the father has a role to play in the family, and that role is discipline. Unfortunately, come 21st century, fathers have just, many, checked out of that role. So they wouldn't even make this passage, wouldn't even make sense. Well, our fathers discipline us for a short time. What are you talking about? I don't do that. That's mom's job. Actually, historically, culturally, biblically, the primary responsibility is supposed to be dad's job. So, we got that whole issue. Fathers just acquiesce. They just they're not even around to deal with that. They don't want to deal with that. And mom gets stuck trying to do all these things, everything. Cuz someone's got to do it. Otherwise, you have a nightmare on your hands, right? So anyway, we think of God's discipline. We need to understand. We, don't need, we shouldn't be thinking necessarily in the way that our fathers disciplined us unless it was good, and it was for our good, and it was out of love. But we need to understand the superior and wonderful nature of God's discipline and know that we, we don't have to be fearful of it or doubt the goodness of it or try to run away from it. You see what I'm saying? But we can sit in it and trust God in it And let him do his work in us through it. Because we can know, not get confused with what maybe our earthly dads did, but we can know, he does this for our good. He does this that we might share his holiness. He does this out of love for us. That's why these things occur. All right? And at the same time as earthly fathers, you know what we need to do? We need to regularly check ourselves. And make sure that our our discipline is driven, our training, our correction is driven solely out of love, real love, and real concern for our children's spiritual good. Huh? That's what we need to do as dads if we're going to reflect the Heavenly Father. I'm just telling you from experience, sometimes our discipline is for other reasons, Sometimes we just had a bad day. Sometimes the kids are just an annoyance. Sometimes we just want them out of our face. Sometimes, listen, sometimes our training is really because we want our kids to look a certain way so that we look good. Huh? Hello! Yeah. So we focus on the external, all the external stuff. Walk this way, talk this way, do this, do that. Don't you move, don't you sit, sit down, up down. All these things, we get them, we conform them, right? Because really, in the end, we just want them to look good because if they look good, then people go, wow, you must be a good father. Yeah, that's right, I am, thank you very much. Look, how I have control of my child, right? But ultimately, is that, is that the good of that child? Now listen, you know, obviously, I, I want my kid to sit still when there's cars driving by. I need some external restraints on this child, right? But ultimately, I want... Their heart to be moved. I gotta speak to their heart in order to do that. I gotta speak to them about the Lord. I gotta speak to them about the Word of God. I gotta speak to them about salvation. If my concern is their spiritual good, then I'm not gonna stop at the externals. I'm gonna go after the heart, because that's what the Father does. You see what I'm saying? So you gotta check yourself, dads. You gotta check yourself. Is my discipline, is my training, is my correction of my child? Is it being done out of love? And if it's not, stop, repent, ask God for help and the power. And is it ultimately being done for their spiritual good or for some other selfish reason? Third, the reliability of the Father. The reliability of the Father. So we have the the patience of the Father, the discipline of the Father, now the reliability of the Father, and here's what I mean. We can absolutely count on or depend on the Heavenly Father to fulfill or accomplish all that He has said or promised to do. Is that right? And I think that's important to know because guess what? No earthly father is 100% reliable. They're not. Even the best ones are not. We'll talk about that in a second. So why is the Heavenly Father absolutely reliable? Why? Two passages, just two. Consider this. This is what Job says, speaking of God, chapter 42, verse 2. He says, I know that you can do all things, all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's a weird word. We don't use that word typically. Thwarted, it means or prevented from happening. Nothing you purpose to do, Father, can be prevented from happening. Nothing. All right? So take that. Hold that right here. Okay? Now one more passage. Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, 19. The Word of God says this, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Listen, those two ideas, every promise that the Heavenly Father has made to his redeemed children, every promise concerning their salvation, every single thing he has said concerning our glorious future, yes, will come to pass. Every single one. Why? Because our Heavenly Father never lies. Titus 1:2, he never, sometimes, every once in a while, he has a bad, he never lies. He cannot lie. He is the God of truth. He is truth. He is the truth. And get this: and no one or nothing can keep him from doing what he has planned or promise to do. He can't lie and he is unstoppable. All right? You with me? This is the heavenly father that we have as Christians. This is him. So as earthly fathers, listen, we may promise something, okay? You ever done this, dads? You don't have to admit it, but you promise something and circumstances entirely out of your control prevent you from fulfilling that promise. Okay, are you with me so far? And you know what? That, that's, that's understandable, right? At some point, that's understandable because, and it's got to be accepted because as human beings, we have limitations. We are not God. So if I purpose to do something, I'm going to do this for you next Friday, I'm, it may not come to pass. That's just the reality. We're not God. There are things of, that we purpose to do that can be prevented from happening. But, having said that, as fathers, if we are failing to keep our promises because we never really intended to keep our promises in the first place, which means that we lied, or or we were initially sincere. We made the promise. We were sincere in that promise. But now we have let circumstances that we can control come into our lives and keep us or prevent us from fulfilling that promise. Circumstances that we can control. We let those become more important than keeping that promise to our child. If we are doing that, then our children will suffer. They're going to suffer. And our fathering is certainly, potentially leading them to great confusion about their heavenly father. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Because then the kid grows up and, I don't know, can I really count? Can I really count on the father? If he says such and such, do I really know it'll happen? My dad was a promise breaker. You see what I'm saying? But the heavenly father is not that way at all. Fourth, don't worry, I'll try to redeem, redeem us all at the end here, okay? The mercy of the Father, the mercy of the Father. Okay, so we have the patience of the Father, the discipline of the Father, the reliability of the Father, and now we have the mercy of the Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul refers to God as the Father of mercies. Can you, be, can you imagine if that was your title? The Dad of mercies. Well, that is the title of the Heavenly Father. He's the Father of mercies. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, in the context of our salvation, Paul says that God is rich in what? What do you think? Mercy. You want to know what God's rich in? Of all the things that we could think of? Of all the things that we might want to be rich in, here's the thing God is rich in. Mercy. And Jesus is recorded as saying this in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. He simply says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And you could define, listen, you could define or understand the mercy of the Father as His goodness or compassion that is shown toward those who are either in misery or distress, and it's shown to them without any regard to whether they deserve it or are worthy of it. Or you could simply say that the mercy of God is the undeserved kindness of God shown to sinful mankind. Oh, give praise to God for His mercy, beloved. And of course, the greatest demonstration of the Father's mercy is seen in the fact that he sent his only son, his beloved son, to die on the cross so that every sinner who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ would be saved from the wrath they justly deserve. They didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve that compassion. They didn't deserve that mercy. They didn't deserve the pity of God. Not at all. They deserved the opposite. And yet, God is the Father of mercies. (laughs) And since the Heavenly Father has shown us such great mercy and continues to do so, such undeserved kindness and compassion, undeserved, beloved, don't forget that part, then we have no excuse as earthly fathers, to not show it to our children. And yet I believe it is safe to say that there is a good number of fathers who would more likely be characterized as being poor in mercy rather than rich in it. But know that a merciless father, a merciless father is certainly no reflection of the Heavenly Father. No reflection. We have an awesome and a most perfect Heavenly Father. So in closing, I would say this. Just because I say closing, by the way, doesn't mean I'm going to finish real soon. Just see, so you, you probably, many of you know that. But I, I know, wow, that's 15 minutes early. It's usually 15 minutes over. That's a miracle. It's a Father's Day miracle. But I think as a present to the fathers and as a dad myself, yeah, let's get out a little bit early today. But listen, in closing, I would say this. As Christians, when we think about our Heavenly Father, okay, we need to simply make sure, we need to make sure, we need to constantly do this because even though our thinking is right now, it can, be, it can get out of line. We can let those influences come back in. We can listen to bad information. All those bad experiences might come pouring back in. We got to constantly keep it in line with what the Word of God says concerning our Father we got to have our minds regularly washed by the Word of God, okay? Because it gets distorted. It can get distorted. And when it does, then our relationship with God will most certainly not be all that it can be or that God desires it to be, because we'll be relating to Him in a very strange way, a way that He never intended us to relate to Him, living in fear of Him or I'm doing my best to earn His approval. Or hating his discipline. Instead of rejoicing in it. Because I know what he's doing. And I know who he is. And I know he's doing it for my good. And for his glory. And his glory is the best thing ever. Additionally, as Christian fathers, we should make it our aim to model our Heavenly Father to our children. Not, not we will ever do that perfectly. Hello. Huh? Any, uh, I know some of you may have gotten something that said best dad, you know, some coffee cup that says best dad ever, that's awesome, but it's relative, <laughs> I mean, come on, there is one, I mean, he's the perfect, I mean, who are you compared to, the other guy, that's fine, cool, take it man, take all you can get as dads, but uh, we will never ever perfectly reflect the heavenly father, not here, not now on this earth, we, we, not now. Okay. But listen, that doesn't mean, oh well, I guess I'll just be a mess. No, of course not. With God's help and by his power, for the Christian, we can certainly reflect the heavenly Father more consistently. Huh? More consistently and absolutely to a greater degree than maybe even we're doing now. Certainly. In other words, you know, you know, I'm reached I've reached my perfection as a father. What are you talking about? You, we have to strive for these things, and we have to recognize where we're falling short, and it's really easy to do that when we know who the Heavenly Father is and we really understand His characteristics. And listen, get this, even when we fail, and we will, what a great opportunity this would be to confess our sin to God and our children and talk to them about the amazing grace and forgiveness of the Father. So those are a couple I didn't talk about. The grace of the Father, the forgiveness of the Father. Wouldn't that be a, a perfect way to introduce them to those things? And make it clear to them that our sinful action or attitude did not accurately reflect the Heavenly Father, so that they don't enter their adult life confused in some way about who He really is. Huh? Huh? Beloved, no matter what kind of earthly father you had or have, you should know this at least, that you can always rejoice in and count on and trust in your heavenly father. Okay? You can. And if your earthly father was or is anything like the heavenly father, (laughs) anything like him, some more than others, okay? You can and should be grateful for that wonderful blessing. You should be grateful. And remember to share that gratefulness with him, to encourage him. Because being a dad, like being a parent, it's hard. It's hard. I think it's the hardest thing you can do. And if your father's resemblance to the Heavenly Father If it was minimal or is minimal or it's even non existent, and sadly that's the case many times, then here's what I would say to you in closing. You need to remember the words of the Apostle Paul that he wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He said this He said it to the church be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you let's pray heavenly father we come before you now and we've just just touched the surface of who you of who you are and and every time we look at a, a different aspect of you or a different side of that perfect diamond. Wow, we're just, we're left in awe. You are perfection. You are beautiful in every way. Father, we are, we simply, our response is to rejoice and to be thankful that through Jesus Christ we have become your children and And we can rejoice in that relationship. We can trust you fully with our lives. We don't have to hold back. Not at all. We don't have to be afraid. We have your acceptance in Christ fully and completely. We don't have to try to earn your approval. We don't have to worry if we make one little mistake, we're going to be wiped out. Heavenly Father, you care for us. You're concerned for us. Even down to the smallest detail, you know the the numbers of hair on our head. Everything about us, Father, you have formed us in our mother's womb. You care. You love us. You've been patient with us. Your discipline is for our good. Father, everything you've ever said, we know we can rely on it. We can count on it. You never lie, not once, not ever. You always speak the truth. And everything you say you're going to do, you, Heavenly Father, have the ability and the power to bring it to pass. You're a rock. You're our rock. Father, your mercy. We're so thankful for it. We don't deserve it. But yet you show us your compassion, your kindness you poured out on us. And we've seen it most clearly in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're awesome, Father. Now, Lord, I, I just pray for for myself and for the earthly fathers that are here. Father, we're not we're not so awesome. We're messed up. But by Your grace and by Your Spirit, by Your power that dwells inside of us, by Your Word that instructs us in righteousness and corrects us and reproves us. By the model that You are, Father, You help us. You transform us and help us to be, be dads that actually can and do Reflect to our children who you really are, and we're grateful for that. But, Father, we need your help constantly. We need to rely on you always. And, Father, even now we confess our sins in this area to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. And, Father, we don't have to beg for that forgiveness because we know we have it. We have it in Christ. So we thank you for it. And we thank you that you care for us. We're your children if we, we know you through Christ. And So you're concerned about how we father our children. So we know you're, you're actively involved in our lives. Help us, Lord, to, to show you, to show you to our kids that when they, when they grow up, they would have no reason to run away from you, but they'd be running to you. They can say, if God is anything like my dad, then that's what I want. And then we can say to them, oh, God is so much greater than your dad. He's perfect. And I've done my best to show you a small sample of what he's like. But I've failed in many ways as well. But I'm thankful for the mercy and grace and love of God. Father, help us to do this and and help us, those of us who have been hurt by our fathers and messed up by them, help us to extend forgiveness to them, Lord. Help us to forgive them as you have forgiven us in Christ. Help us to show them mercy as you have shown us mercy. Help us to be patient as you have been patient with us, Father. We ask all this, we ask all of this. In Christ's holy name, amen.